regardless. But um, he's got some running to do this morning, and I got some running to do this afternoon, and we uh, got our wires crossed. Uh, but uh, I just appreciate uh, his faithfulness. Uh, and, uh, you know, he don't say much. You know, I see kind of quiet about it, you know, if, it, if he, if he, if it's bothering him, he ain't going to tell me, but that's all right. That's a brother. <laughs> that's, me. That, 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 that's a real brother. Well, yeah, I ain't, it's, it's all right. It's, it's all right. And uh, I'm uh, uh, grateful to be uh, here in the house of God. That's what, that's what, that's what the Bible says. I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. He said, I was glad. I wasn't worried about how early it was. I wasn't worried about all the stuff I had to do. I was glad when they said unto me. And that's an inviting sort of statement. Let us go. Let, let, let all of us go. Let's, let, let's go together. Uh, amen. To the house of the Lord. And it's a great thing to be among the people of God. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all doing all right? Amen. It, it, it's good to wake up. Amen. We went, we went to bed last night. We, we might have been scratching our heads. We might have been worried. But God saw fit to wake us up out of our slumber and clothed in our right mind to be here again to worship the great God of heaven in spirit and in truth. Uh, glad to be here and glad to be with you this Sunday morning. Uh, amen. I suppose something's supposed to be happening later on this afternoon. I, I, don't, I don't know. Something. I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going from this house to another house and we're going to be praising the Lord down there. And if I get back here to see the Patriots lose, that's fine with me. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I stepped on some toes. But I don't care. <laughs> Man. Hey. All right, all right. Let's, let's get in our text before I get in trouble. The book of Isaiah. Chapter 1, and uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, it's good to have you with us. You are here in the Church of Christ, uh, the church that you can find in your Bible. You're among the people of God, and you are our welcome guest, and we want you to know that. And uh, East Baltimore, we're just happy to have you in the house. Amen. Let's look together at our text in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, and the verses that were read into your hearing earlier, verses 18 and 19. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, Ye shall eat of the good of the land. Now, if you're looking in your Bibles, that, that sentence seems to run on into verse 20. We're going to get there. 
uh, at some point, but I want us to just consider these first two passages. Some of us might remember that, uh, that old Bonnie Raitt song. Let's give them something to talk about. Yeah, we got some country music folk out there. Yeah, yeah. Amen. But I want to talk to you concerning some things to reason about. Is that all right? Now, now the scripture says, again, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And it's a marvelous thing to consider that great and eternal God is willing to reason about his creation. God is thinking about us. He's pondering us. He's considering us in our circumstances, in our situations. And he's reasoning about his creation. A preacher once announced from the pulpit that, you know, I'd like to be God for about five minutes. Now, that's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> but what he meant was he'd like to have the ability to reap vengeance against the sins of man. But you see, God is not like that. First, God reasons with man. See, he looks at the world, he sees the reality, and he asks, why? Look with me at verse number five of our text in Isaiah 1. He says, why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Like a perennial patriarch, God reasons like a father. He reasons out of a father's sorrow, a father's concern, a father's responsibility as the eternal, almighty, and righteous judge of his people. Well, someone says, well, what does God reason about? Well, he first reasons about the condition of the nation. Look with me at verses 7 through 10. He says there, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage and a vineyard, as a lodge and a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom. And we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Judah, with its capital city, was sinful and sick and festering and desolate. Looking backward, it showed similarities with ancient Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all remember that? And in the midst of this realistic description of the nation, God uses a word of reason in verse 5 of our text. Why? Why should you be stricken anymore? Uh, now, the Good News Bible says it this way. Why do you keep on rebelling? Do you want to be punished even more? Uh, it's not hard to see the parallels between Judah and any other modern-day nation. Look with me at verses 
21 and 22. How is the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Thy silver has become dross. Thy wine mixed with water. The city's church have become bastions of depravity. The righteous once dwelled there, but now the corrupt have swelled within its boundaries. See, your luster has become lustful. Your purity has become perversity. And, and, and is this any different today? What kind of nation are we building? Houses of hope or havens of hate? Towers of truth or temples of temptation, bridges of brotherhood, or bunkers of brutality. See, God reasons about the condition of the nation, our cities and villages and our townships, and he asks and reasons why. Someone likes to say it takes a village. Well, what, what kind of people make up the village? What kind of role models are there? What kind of examples are there? What kind of leadership is there? And yes, what kind of teaching is there? What kind of standards are they living by? What kind of moral code are they exemplifying? And consider this. Based on all of these variables and how they're carried out, remember, villages become towns. Towns become cities. And cities can ultimately become a nation. See, God is reasoning about the condition of the nation. And the birth of a nation begins with the mindsets of the people. He reasons about the condition of the people. And again, God speaks through the mouth of the prophet in verses 2 through 4. Look with me there. He says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the donkey his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. As the father seeks to nurture and raise up his children, they grow into waywardness and rebellion. As the nation changes, so do the people. Their morals, their standards, their teachings have all gone astray and they've wandered away from the truth and are now walking in darkness. And again, this parallels with the multitudes walking in darkness and delusion today. God reasons about the condition of the people and again he asks, why? Why would you continue in this wickedness? And perhaps God is reasoning about the condition of his people today. Where are the righteous? Where are the believers? Where are the faithful? Where are the disciples? Where are the contenders 
for the faith. Where are the ambassadors of Christ? Where are the oracles of the truth? Are we standing on the promises or just sitting on the premises? Are we standing up for Jesus or are we sitting still for Satan to creep in and devour us whole? Have you ever considered, church, that while we wait on the Lord, that's what the Bible says, wait on the Lord. But, but, but have you ever considered, as God reasons about us, that, that while we're waiting on the Lord, the Lord might be looking to see how we're waiting? Huh? Think about a, a bus stop. Now, you got three kinds of people at the bus stop. Now, I know y'all got the fancy cars now. Y'all don't know. Nobody sit on the bus stop anymore. Uh, I remember when I used to be on the bus stop. Uh, help me, somebody. Uh, you remember when uh, you were out there uh, in the rain, in the cold, in the snow, all bundled up? You ever look around at the other people that are at the bus stop with you? Now, they're all waiting on the bus, but, but how are they waiting? Well, the first one, well, he's, he, he's looking at his watch. Will it ever come? Well, Is it ever going to get here? Well, uh, you got folk like that. You, you, they constantly pacing all up and down, looking at their watch, worried about the time. Is it ever going to get here? Well, they, they're waiting, but they're waiting and they're insecure about their waiting. They, they're wondering, is it ever going to get here? Is it ever going to come? Is my breakthrough ever going to come? Are the bills ever going to get paid? Are the people going to treat me right? Am I ever going to get that promotion? Will I ever move out of this, this, this hovel and get into a house somewhere? Will I ever find a mate? Are you waiting? But how are you waiting? Then you got the other guy uh, or gal at the bus stop, and, and, and they're nervous. They're just nervous. Did I miss it? Well, maybe I got here too late. Well, and maybe it's not going to come. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought I got up on time. Maybe I missed the alarm. Maybe I got the schedule mixed up. They're just, they're just nervous. Well, they don't know if it's coming or not. They don't know when it's coming. And maybe they're doubting themselves because maybe they missed the mark. Maybe I, maybe I missed the last bus, and I'm standing here for absolutely nothing because it's never going to come because I'm not prepared. I didn't wake up on time. I didn't get out to the bus stop on time. I didn't check the schedule to make sure it was even running today. Am I on the right street? Am I at the right stop? Am I waiting on the right bus? They're just nervous because they don't know if they're prepared even for the bus when it comes, if it comes. We got some folk like that in the world. God is looking at the condition of his people, and as we wait on him, he's wondering how we're waiting. Then you got that one at the bus stop. He's confident. He got there at the right time. He knows the schedule. He knows what time the bus going to get there. He got there early. And look what he's doing. Everybody else standing. Nervous, waiting. All right. He's over there 
reading this book. Wow. Got his leg crossed. Y'all ever see them folk at the bus stop? Yes, they, they, ain't, they ain't worried. They don't even look at their watch. They know what time the bus is coming. They just, I got, I got time. You ever, you ever see folk like that? And why is he sitting here all calm and comfortable like he ain't got no place to go? We waiting on the bus. We trying to get somewhere. He's sitting, he's waiting for the same bus, y'all. But he's prepared for the journey. Matter of fact, he's so prepared, he know he got time to wait. Is that how we're waiting on the Lord? Are we waiting with confidence? Are we waiting with patience? Are we waiting with preparedness? Amen, somebody? Are you prepared for the Lord when he does come? Or are we nervous? Or are we impatient? Are we waiting on the Lord with hopeful hearts or faltering faith? See, God is considering the mindsets of his people. But he reasons also about the condition of the leaders. And again, he speaks to us in verses 10 through 14 of our text. Let's go back there. Look what it says here. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings and rams and the fat of the fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. The nation, its people, and its leaders have turned from the truth. The righteousness of God has been substituted by the unrighteousness of man. The leaders, Those who command authority, those who direct and guide the policies and the politics of the populace have become corruptible. And in their wake, the people suffer and perish. Their worship is vain. Their faith is vain. Their belief is vain. And again, we see the subtle similarities in our world today. Where's our leadership in matters of spirituality? While we claim to separate church and state, politics and religion, the world wants us to recognize the politics of religion. They're trying to change laws right now, saying, you know what, it's all right for me to endorse a candidate from the pulpit. Now, what's the danger of that? If I carry any kind of influence with you, any kind of influence with you, now I'm altering your right to think for yourself. Amen? So what, what we need to understand is that the, the, there's a politics. There's, the, there's religion, and there's politics, and there's the politics of religion. See, we politicize God's role 
and perpetrate God's rule. We worship the material, but we downplay the spiritual. See, God has reasoned about the condition of the leaders and their impact and influence on a nation and a people gone astray. And perhaps God's looking past the leadership and he's looking at the membership. See, if the head's gone crazy, what's the rest of the body doing? You ever had a headache that's so bad that your body just give out? Your head hurting so bad, man, your body said, let's, let's just lay down. Well, if the head is sick, what's the rest of the body doing? See, we're members of this nation, yes, but God is considering our spirituality in the midst of our nationality. See, we know who the figurehead of the nation is, but who's telling the world about the Godhead who rules over the heavens and the earth? Who's speaking out for the church that Jesus built today? Who is spreading the good news of the gospel? And when we talk about leadership, remember this. The eldership bows the knee to the same Lord as the membership. Amen. 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 The deacons and the preacher bow the knee to the same Lord as the rest of the membership. You see, the head, the supreme head, amen, has given commands to the body, the whole body. And the elder, the deacon, the preacher, the teacher, the song leader, the pew sitter, the naysayer, the busybody, the somebody, the anybody, and everybody has a job to do and a great commission to fulfill. He didn't just give it to the leadership. He gave it to the membership. And if you're members of the body, we got to follow the directions of the head. But we got to be disciples about it. We got to believe what we proclaim we know. All right. But we got to know what we proclaim. Amen, somebody? Amen. And we got to know the difference between the politics of the world versus our religious affiliation. We got to understand that the, 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 the government's going to do what it do. Y'all forgive me for saying it like that. All right, it's all right. But we got to do what God says. Did y'all hear what I just said? See, the government can do whatever it wants to do. We got to do what God says. Amen, somebody. Now, I know that you're going to step on some toes. I know you're going to get some bad looks on the job. I know some folks going to say they're not going to be your friend anymore. But you're standing up for what you proclaim you believe. God is considering He's reasoning about his people. And he's asking why. Why? Why is it so easy for you to lose sight of the faith that you claim is in you? And where is your courage to tell the world of the faith that you say you have inside of you. Now we're thinking about God all the time. We're considering God all the time. There's some things we want. Amen, somebody. There's some things we ask God for right now. There's some things we're waiting on the Lord to give us right now. Am I right about it? Well, consider this. 
This is all I want us to think about today. Consider this. Consider God thinking about us. While we're thinking about him, when am I going to get this? When is that going to happen? When is this going to happen? When am I going to get this? When am I going to get that? Maybe God's looking at all of us and saying, Hmm. Now, I don't, I don't know the mind of God, okay. all right? But I'm saying, if you consider who you are and how you are to be as a child of God, just think when you out here making decisions about how you want to live your life, how you want to display yourself to the rest of the world, What's God looking for? What is God truly seeing? And as he considers his people in the midst of this crooked and perverse, out of control world, are y'all going to join the party? Or are you going to stay away? Amen, somebody? See, it's easy to join in when the rest of the world is saying it's okay. We have to be willing to say, no, God says something different. God says something better. It's his truth, and we have to stand on it. We have a mandate from God. We have a mandate from Jesus to be ready always, to give an answer. To every man that asks if you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. God has reason about the condition of the nation, the people, and the leader. But amidst all of this, God reasons about a solution. Look with me. Go back to our text. Verses, I'm almost done. Verses 16 and 17. Look what he said. Back in Isaiah. Look what he says there. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease. To do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Is that what it says? And again, uh, uh, I'll give you the good news Bible. Uh, He makes it plainer here. He says, wash yourselves clean. Stop all this evil that I see you doing. Yes, stop doing evil and learn to do right. See that justice is done. Help those who are oppressed. Give orphans their rights and defend widows. The Almighty God is considering his people, but he's already given us the solution. We need to get ourselves right with God. Amen. Amen. And as we get ourselves right with God, then we take on those qualities And we take on those characteristics that our Christian faith demands us to proclaim in the midst of a sin-cursed world. See, when we're following Christ, it's easy for us to take a position. 
See, it ain't my position. It's God's position. So you don't got to be mad at me because I tell you what the Bible says. If, if you want to rail against it and rebel against it, see, I'm always reminded that Jesus says there's the straight and narrow, few find it, and the broad and wide that many are going to go into. I, I, it, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. I just want to be part of the few that make it but I got to walk the straight and narrow. See, you got to check yourself. Y'all know that saying, before you wreck yourself. See, you allow the world to creep in. See, how can you call yourself a disciple of Jesus if you're going to allow every little thing to creep in, every little problem that you have? Man, you turn on the TV, and, and all you see is foolishness and confusion, and then you allow that to permeate your mindsets, and now you're going to the job, and, and you listen to this stuff, and you're feeding into it. You're looking at all this tragedy, and calamity and you're feeding into it, you know what? You might not be able to save the world, but save yourselves from this crooked and untoward generation. Help me, somebody. Maybe the only person I can save is me. Maybe I can't save my wife. Maybe I can just save me. But if my wife got the same attitude, she going to save herself and we can be saved together. Amen, somebody. There's some folk out here that need to know Jesus. And if I can act like I'm saved, maybe I can help them to get saved and then they can save themselves. Help me. But I got to tell them the story. I got to give them the message. That's our job. God is considering his people. He's asking, why is it so easy for you to slip into unfaithfulness and foolishness? Then just follow me and do what I say. He's got an answer. He says, get right with him. And then he says in verse 18 of our text, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And what is implied here is that with all of God's reasoning concerning the who and the what and the why of this world, he offers this simple solution. And he offers it not with a threat of retribution, but an offer of grace. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He has the power to change us, to cleanse us, and keep us if we're willing to hold on and to follow and be obedient to that truth. He's always ready with a solution. And God's already done his part. He's given us a savior and a plan of salvation. And in this same vein, he's also given us a righteous judge and a promise of eternal judgment. In his reasoning, he's already pondered man's fate and he's provided the answer. And now he provides us with a very simple choice. He once said to his people, choose ye this day who you will serve. And he offers this further admonition in verses 19 and 20. We're back to our text. He says, if you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. 
The mouth of the Lord has spoken. He's reasoned. He's thought about it. He's considered it. And he's responded. And we must be resolved to accept and receive his solution. Let whosoever will accept his solution before we're subject to his condemnation. You know, we've been talking about discipleship. And we've got classes going on and we're trying to get folks geared up and, 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 and ratcheted up to be greater servants for the Lord. If there was ever a time where we needed the Lord is right now. But if there was ever a time when the Lord needed his people, did y'all hear what I said? It's now. We need God, but God needs us. He needs us to be his standard bearer. He needs us to be those troubadours of truth. We need to be the kind of people, the kind of disciples that are not moved and shaken by the storms and the winds and the strife and the foolishness of the world. Are you ready to be that kind of disciple? Are you willing to stand on the promises of God, or are you just content to sit on the premises and just wait for Jesus? But how are you waiting? He's watching that too. Are you waiting patiently? Are you waiting nervously? Are you waiting contently? How are you going to serve him in 2017? Let's get our minds right. Let's get our hearts right. Let's get our, let's get our stuff together, church. Y'all know that old song, Get Right, Church? <laughs> I ain't going to sing it. <laughs> but, but you know what he's implying. Get right, church. Get your soul right with God. If, if someone's here and their soul, they know their soul is not right with God. He has a solution. He says, come, let us reason together. Let me show you the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of his son and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us show you how he died on the cross for the sins of mankind, yours and mine. How he was buried in a tomb, but raised again the third day for our justification. And now he's provided an antidote for your sin-cursed condition. He's provided a means for you to be cleansed of your sins, to rise and walk in newness of life. Just as surely as he walked out of the tomb, you can rise out of the water he gave of baptism to rise and walk in newness of life. And then you can begin your new journey as a new creature in Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you are a member of the body, he says that now we need to have a renewed mind, a renewed attitude, and a renewed direction. I know it's February. I know you started your New Year's resolutions in January. And praise God if you still got your list and you checked it off and you're still doing it. But some of us already done dropped off. It's a month later. Some of us are already, be honest, well, be honest, well, some of us are already dropped off. 
We got 10 more months. What are we going to do? We have all these wonderful things that we're talking about doing in 2017, but we, we got to do it as a body. Not just the elders, not just the deacons, not just the preachers. We need the members. It's all hands on deck. We bow to the same Lord. Amen. 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 And I got a job to do, and so do you. Let's get right so we can get these folk out here right. Are you ready to do that? Are you willing to do that? Let's do that. Change should be seen in 2017, and it begins with you and with me. Let's be the kind of disciples that God wants us to be. And we don't have to worry about the foolishness of the world. We can just get ourselves right so we can help the world to see how they can get right. Amen? Amen. And if you want that and need that and desire that, that salvation, if you're not in Christ, is available to you right now. Why don't you, as we stand and sing, why don't you come on to Jesus right now? There's a fountain free. It is for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste to his bring. Tis a fountain of love from the source above. Let us bid us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? It's for you and me and thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. And there's a rock that's cleft, and no soul is left that may not his pure water share. Tis for you and me, stream I see. Hey, son, joyfully there.